Today's show has been brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board, eatwisconsincheese.com. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Greetings and happy Martin Luther King Day. Welcome to Animal Instinct here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Celia Kutcher, and today we're talking about pot-bellied pigs with our guest, the president of the California Pot-Bellied Pig Association, Marcy Christensen. It's a nonprofit based in Northern California that's all about educating people to the real truths of pot-bellied pigs, and that's what we're talking about today. Hey, Marcy, are you there? I am. Good afternoon. Thank you, and good evening to you from Brooklyn. So... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, after talking to you on the phone, I'm really excited about t- today's show because I think that no one has a clue what they're getting into if they're interested in getting a pot-bellied pig or if they actually get one. So let's tell the truth and let's tell everybody what the real story is about these little piggies. You got it. Yay. Okay, so let's start off with the very, very basics. What is a pot-bellied pig? A pot-bellied pig is a miniature pig. And when we say miniature pig, we're talking about a farm pig is 1,000 pounds, at least. Okay. So miniature, 10, 20%. So that's a 100, 200-pound pig. So miniature pigs are, um, they're much smaller, obviously. Mm-hmm. They can be, they're domesticated. They can be house pets. They can be yard pets. Um, they're just not these 1,000-pound creatures. So the people who are going into it thinking that they're going to get a 20-pound pig, that's not correct because they're still 10 to 20% of a farm pig. Mm-hmm. And they do date way back. Uh, there go there are em, um, digs going back in, I think, 5,000 B.C., where Chinese emperors had them as pets. Wow. Yes. So, and they were before domesticated before dogs. Wow. Dogs descend from wolves. Wolves were aggressive. Pigs, you know, did not eat your children. So you had <laughs> pigs as pets in your, in your uh, castles or whatever they had back then. Uh-huh. That's really amazing. So when did pot-bellied pigs start getting popular in the U.S.? They came into the U.S. about the mid-'80s. They started in Canada. A gentleman rescued a herd, I believe, from uh, Asia somewhere, Mm -hmm. and uh, he started breeding them and brought them into this country. So all the ones that were brought into this country were the babies, and they were sold under the premise of being miniature pigs. And one of the lines that they would continuously use, and they still use today, is they are mature at 35 pounds, 30 pounds, 20 pounds. Well, maturity is a male can breed at six to eight weeks. That's mature. Oh, okay. Yeah, females can breed at six months. That's mature. They're not full grown until they're three to five years of age. Wow. So, yeah, so one, that's one of those wives' tales of maturity. They use that instead of saying they'll be full-grown. You know, I fell for the story in 1990. I purchased my first pig. Mm-hmm. I was told he'd be 30 pounds at, at, at maturity or at a year. Well, he did. He weighed 30, 33 pounds at a year, mm-hmm. 66 at two, 99 at three. Oh, and when no. he died at five and a half, he weighed 130, and he wasn't an ounce overweight. Wow. Wow, and that's small for a for a pot-bellied pig, isn't it? Or is that like an average? really average. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a nice average size, not too big, not too little. 
um, kind of that, that uh, just right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, if you're comparing this to, like, a common breed of dog or something, about how big is the, his uh, pot-bellied pig? Like a 130-pounder. Sure. I, I equate them to Rottweilers, kind of, I hate saying this, but kind of cut off the knees, so you've got a shortened <laughs> Rottweiler. <laughs> okay. So just, just, you know, not that we do that, um, <laughs> but, uh, but they're about that size, just short. Er. And so when people get pot-bellied pigs, where are they normally getting them from? Mm, sadly, right now, part of our problem is the backyard breeders. Um, there are still a lot of people who are just breeding them indiscriminately and selling them. And mine are those teacup pigs. Mine are the miniature pigs. Oh, you can have them in the apartments. Uh, there are also still pe- people on the Internet who are breeding them. Um, there are a couple of breeders that have been around for many, many, many years. Oh, we've been breeding forever, and now ours are just really small. Mm. Well, they're really small at a year, and, you know, by the time they're five, we're hearing from people who have these pigs that they paid a lot of money for from these, quote, reputable online breeders, mm-hmm. and they now weigh 130, 150 pounds. Wow. And so, actually, I have a question for you that has been, ever since I've told my friends I'm doing this show, that everyone has asked me the same question. It seems to be that there's, I don't know if it's even a wives' tale, so you're going to clarify that for us, but there's a train of thought that believes that if you keep feeding a pig and keep feeding a pig and keep feeding a pig, they're just going to continue growing in size. Is that true? I have heard that pigs never stop growing, okay. and I guess it's kind of like in humans, our noses never stop growing. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of that same thing. Um, I have had a pig that lived with me for 18 years. Um, he was probably two or three when I got him, mm-hmm. and I believe that he really did stop growing. Um, I, he never got much bigger than about 130 or 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you overfeed them, they can be huge. I rescued one in March of last year. And he easily weighed over 300 pounds. Holy cow. Easily, yeah. So he's been on a massive crash diet. Uh, his human died, and all oh. his an- the animals went to animal control. Oh. And uh, we got this guy from there, and he's just the sweetest, most lovely pig, but he is blind because he's fat. He's really? He's deaf because he's so fat. Um, he's got some uh, health issues. And, you know, we're working with him, trying to get him, the weight off of him. And, and, you know, yeah, you keep feeding they're pigs. There's a reason that word comes into play. Yeah. They eat. And so, I mean, is this pig that you rescued, is he just obese or is he like a gigantic Vietnamese pig? Uh, yes. To, the answer to that question is yes to both. Okay. Um, he is tall, long, big, and fat. Okay. Extremely fat. He, he's morbidly obese. Aww. But But I have actually seen pigs fatter. I was just looking on Facebook. Somebody posted... Uh, back in 2002, they rescued three pigs that were on their way to slaughter. Oh. And these pigs were even fatter than my boy. Oh I mean, Lord. just, I can't even imagine putting that much weight on their poor little legs. Yeah, that's my thought, too. And, I mean, I'm assuming pigs can get diabetes pretty easily, too. Hmm, that's some, interesting. That's a question I've never been asked, and I don't know any pigs that have been diagnosed as diabetic. Okay, well, that's good, then. So yeah. That's yeah. cool. So at least that's not happening, too, you know? Right. And so what's the story with micro pigs? <laughs> I know it's your favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, micro, mini, teacup, Vietnamese, Asian, miniature. Um, what are some of the other words? Uh, I'm blanking out here. They're all the same thing for miniature pig. Okay. I don't care what anyone says. I have been in the potbelly pig world since 1990. Um, I've seen extremely unhealthy pigs that were 30, 40 pounds. 
I've seen extremely unhealthy pigs that were three to 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. They're still the same pig. Okay. There's still these, these teacup, these Julianas, these, these pigs that they just keep trying to say, mine are smaller, mine are littler. You know, they're breeding the parents. Yeah. Uh, they're showing you the parents that are, are of course, they're breeding the parents. <laughs> they're breeding <laughs> um, young parents. They're uh-huh. breeding, you know, the males are, are two months old and the females are six to seven months old. And they're showing you maybe the dad and saying, oh, oh this is how big the daddy is. He's not full grown till he's five. That's a, that's a pretty good scam. It's a huge scam. Yeah. I just had a woman the other day call me up and said that uh, she um, bought a piglet, paid $250, brought it home. It was five weeks old, which is too young hmm. to take a piglet away from the mother. Yeah. Um, she saw the mother, and I don't remember how she was able to see the mother, but the man brought the pig to the parking lot so she could see the piglet. Hmm. You know, this is a huge issue I keep hearing. They bring the pig to the you to see you, at the, meet you someplace, so you don't go to their property. You meet them someplace else. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll show you pictures of who they claim to be the parent. Yeah. And over and over and over again. And, and I constantly am getting people saying, I wish I had found you or your site or other rescue groups um, before I had bought my pig. The primary thing is research. Please, please don't believe everything you hear from these breeders. Just because they say their pigs are going to be smaller, it's not the truth. And I'm assuming these are the type of breeders, too, that aren't like, you know, if you can't keep your pig, you can bring them back. You know, I'm assuming once that pig is sold, that's the end of that pig in terms that's, of their relationship with it. Absolutely. I have heard very few people. There are a few reputable breeders out there, absolutely, that will take the pig back. There mm-hmm. are a couple that I do know of. Uh, but most of the ones on the Internet, you know, no way. Yeah. And plus, they're not going to ship them back. You know, you, you got a pig shipped to you from somewhere in the Midwest and you live on one of the coasts. You're not going to pay to ship this pig back and have a blood tested and everything else. That's a good point. You're just going to dump it at the local shelter or, or worse, let it loose. Hmm. And I'm so I assume that's really common around you. I mean, up here in Brooklyn, we don't have. We have I know of two pigs that live in Brooklyn. I'm sure there's probably 200 more, but I know of two. You know, so needless to say, if these these pigs were abandoned here or in this area, I mean, our winters are harsh. So I don't know if yeah. they could actually survive it, but. You know, there's a huge section of this country where they'd be very happy running wild and. Oh, you know. absolutely, and and they do do well. I mean, they they can if they're a snow pig, they tend to learn to live in the snow. It's they can freeze, of course, but mm-hmm. um, in our area we do have, especially in Southern California, the desert areas where people tend to dump the pigs quite often, and it's just sad because you know these poor pigs are starving. They're looking for shelter. Um, a lot of them were house pets at one time. Oh, no. They're letting them go, and they're still intact, and so they're breeding. Um, it's just it's it's really sad, you know. If you get an animal and it doesn't work out, you take that responsibility to make a decision to figure out what to do with it. Don't just release it. it yeah. It's inhumane and cruel. And it's also something like a pot-bellied pig. I mean, it's a, it's a real commitment. It's not like seeing a you know a basket of kittens at the supermarket and being like, oh yay, kitty. You know, this is something that really does take. You've really got to do your homework on this one, and you've really got to decide if, you know, you even have the time for this because, I mean, they're so smart. They've got to be entertained all the time. Absolutely. We've adapted our entire house, our entire lives for our pigs. Mm -hmm. I have baby gates. I have ramps. I've built decking to uh, make it easier for them to come into their piggy doors. Uh, the blind and deaf pig is still living outside because I don't think he knows we have a house yet. Oh, he hasn't seen it, so I don't think he knows it's here. Um, so he has a beautiful house outside that my husband built him that has you know nice and insulated walls and 
uh, blankets and four inches of foam and carpet. Oh, and nice. It's nice and toasty and warm. I, I sleep out there with them every now and then. Took a nap with them this weekend. Aww. And uh, so, you know, we've adapted our lives, and, and most of our friends who are as dedicated have also done so, and many have given up a lot to have a pig because, you know, one of the things my husband always says is you've got to have a sense of humor to have a pig. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah. I mean, it seems like my brother wanted a pig years ago and found this one of the guys in Manhattan, actually, that has a pig and saw the pig and a dog run, and the pig was terrorizing all the dogs and all this. <laughs> and, you know, he sat down with the guy and said, listen, I really want a pig, and, you know, can you tell me about it? And he's like, sure. He's, what do you do? And my brother traveled internationally a great deal, and the guy just started laughing and said, listen, I got a story for you. I normally work at the most nine hours a day. I had to work 11 one day. I came home. The pig had torn up the entire parquet floor. Yeah. So needless to say, my brother did not get a pig. <laughs> that was the end of that. He got two cats instead. But, you know, this is something that, I mean, not in your wildest dreams would you think that they could be capable of this or that they'd even want to. But then you think of pigs' behaviors and they root, you know, and the poor thing was probably bored and may have smelled something under a floorboard and was like, let's do this. And next thing he knew, his entire apartment was totally torn up. Well, first of all, he shouldn't have had a pig in the apartment. That's number one. Mm-hmm. But number two, yes, you're right. They're, they can be extremely destructive. Uh, we had a small lawn area in the backyard that we had for, uh, well, our, the, the big boy, his name is Bricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's our eighth pig that we've had in the last 25 years. Wow. And um, he, they're all rescues except for our first. Nice. Um, prior to him, we got Mason, and Mason got his name because he destroyed all the brickwork in our backyard. <gasps> And within a very, very short length of time, ate what little lawn we had that the other six pigs, or at that time probably, yeah, six pigs, had just grazed. Just, oh. They kept it nice and lawn mode for us. This boy, within a couple of months, gone. There is no green in my backyard <laughs> at all. So, you know, we just laugh and make the best of it. My backyard looks like, mm, hell, but, you know, he's a happy piggy. Bricks is a happy piggy, and um, they live a life you know, that they're, they enjoy, and, and we just sit back and laugh at the destruction. Well, that's the thing. They're pigs. They're doing what pigs do. So, you know, you can't really argue nature. So you've got, if you want a pig, you've got to embrace all this stuff. There's no way you can't. Amen. And, and when people call me up and say they're interested in a pig, one of the first questions I ask is, do you have a yard? Do you care about your yard? <laughs> Something that you ever want to see again. Some pigs never, ever root. I've mm. had, you know, like I said, I've had eight pigs. Of the eight pigs, Mason, who would be number seven, mm-hmm. is the most destructive pig we have ever had. And the others, eh, they did a little rooting here and there, but nothing compared to Mason. It's so funny. Oh, yeah. His name is Hell No. <laughs> Hell No, why did you do that? Hell No, don't you? No, no, no. Hell No, where is your son? Hell No. Yeah, there's a lot of Hell No in this house because of him, and also a lot of laughing. Good. He, he recently pulled my purse off the dining room table because it was my fault. Mm. I left the strap hanging over the edge and proceeded to eat five $20 bills. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's special. Yeah. Wow. Even the bank wouldn't take the money back. We had to send it to the Federal Reserve. Oh, my God. Bank, <laughs> get our money back. So, yeah. Hell no. <laughs> I love it. Well, Marcy, we're going to take a quick break for station identification. We're talking pot-bellied pigs. We'll be back in about a minute and a half, so stay tuned. You are listening to Vroom Vroom by Ball of Flame. Shot fire.
Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. We are back. I'm talking to Marcy Christensen. She's the president of the California Pot-Bellied Pig Association, and we're talking all about pot-bellied pigs. We're telling the truth, guys, so listen in here. So, Marcy, um, how much work really is involved in having a pig for a pet? Uh, Well, if you have one two-year-old, you might have equate them to having ten. Okay. You always have to kind of think ahead of the game. What can they get into? What can they do? Uh, I had, like I said, baby gates, baby locks. Yep. Um, I had someone call from East Coast the other day who was having a problem with a rescue pig that she had. Um, I, she said, how do I keep it from getting into my cabinet? I said, well, baby locks. And she goes, no, I've tried the baby locks. He broke them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you always have to kind of think of what can they get into, what can they destroy, and then try and stay ahead of the game. So they can also be extremely easy mm-hmm. um, if you're willing to adapt your life. So it really depends on the kind of relationship you want with the pig. Okay. The same thing with a dog or a cat. Mm-hmm. How much work do you want to spend with your dog or cat? It's pretty much the same thing. Okay. And so what are the most common problems that you hear about from pig owners when you get calls? There's a couple. Um, potty training for indoor pigs can always be a problem. Mm. Uh, typically, those stem from people who got the pigs at a too young of age. They took them away from the mom before they were 8 to 10 weeks. Mm. There are a lot of breeders who do that. Oh, you can take the pig. It's ready to go. It's weaned. Well, it might be weaned, but mom didn't have it, give it a chance to, or it wasn't with mom long enough to teach it how to potty train and how to have respect for a herd situation. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a big issue. Um, arthritis is a huge issue, especially in older pigs oh, wow. um, or overweight pigs. Mm-hmm. You know, in the wild, these pigs are not spayed or neutered. They're not fed two, three meals a day. They're yeah. not given blankies to sleep on or straw or kept warm. They're constantly moving and moving and walking and moving. And so they don't get overweight and their legs are built up. Here, our pigs sleep 20, 22 hours a day. You know? <laughs> Lazy like a pig. Well, yeah, it's fit. <laughs> So, you know, they're, they're spoiled rotten and they sleep and they don't have to work for their food. So they do, do tend to get arthritis quite badly. And then probably the most common call I get is on aggression. Really? So, um, yes. Again, pigs are herd animals. Single pigs that are taken away from mom too young tend to be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of calls because we have um, quite a bit of information on aggression on our website. Mm-hmm. Um, I, did, I learned the hard way. Um, my first pig that I paid a thousand dollars for in 1990. Wow! Uh, we took him away from his mom at four weeks of age, mm. and he started showing his aggression at about a year. Uh, you know, chasing people through the house, mm-hmm. and then it kind of progressed. And finally, after about two or three, he finally turned on my husband, and then finally turned on me. Whoa! And yeah, oh, Mason just came into the house. Oh, so. <laughs> hi, Mason. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Hi, Hell Now. What are you up to now? <laughs> so that brings another question. Is, uh, are pigs really social? Or are they better if they have a pig friend? You know, many, 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 many years ago, I used to always say, oh, one pig was fine. Mm-hmm. And then T.S., my first pig, started getting, showing the aggression. Um, and then we kind of learned, you know, they are herd animals. They do like companionship. Mm-hmm. Um, I have since then changed my, my tune and said, yes, two pigs are much better than one. They do tend to work out their hierarchical issues amongst themselves then. Oh, cool. Instead of going after the youngest member of the family or the weakest link of the family. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they do like companionship. Uh, Mason just came into my office now. He's laying in a a doggy bed right next to me, and there's no reason he needs to be in here. He could be outside sunbathing, but he likes to hear my voice and come in and lay next to us. They like to cuddle. Um, The big boy outside has a brand-new friend, and we named him Templeton. Oh! He has a rat that has befriended him. How Uh, funny. Yeah, the last couple of nights I've gone out there, and this rat is actually in his house with him, sleeping. Oh, oh my God! (laughs) Yeah. We also, for somebody who can't get another pig, because sometimes just, you know, they're a lot of work, and getting a second pig just sometimes doesn't doesn't work, Mm -hmm. I recommend a chicken. Really? Pigs and chickens are make... Great friends. I have a friend right now who adopted two pigs from Best Friends uh-huh. and in Utah, and uh, they have their own pet chicken. And the three of them sleep together. Aww. That's great. I mean, horses usually go with goats, and so I was waiting for you actually to say that a goat would be a great pig friend. I was not expecting chicken. That's, that's really, really cool. Yeah, a lot of times the goats like playing bowling for, for piglets or pigs. Oh, and God. So you get a lot of headbutting, and, and pigs don't care for that a great deal. I can't imagine that would be a really good idea. That would be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had horses who've gotten along with pigs. They love them, and I've had horses that were terrified of pigs. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just really depends on the pig, and it depends on the animal that they're companioning with. So let's say you've got a pig, and, you know, you have a normal life, and so you have to leave your pig alone. What do you do with your pigs when you're out? Do you leave them outside, or do they have uh, kennels, or how does that work? I have piggy doors. Oh, So okay. my pigs come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be able to just let them wander the house. Uh, my past pigs were no problem. Nobody ever did any destruction. Um, we did find out that one pig that we had that had grand mal seizures, we discovered he was peeing behind the sofa, Oof. which we hadn't caught Oof. until we pulled out the black light. And then, oh, Ugh. yes. Yeah, so he had to be locked up when we weren't home, or locked in his room, but okay. he could still go outside. Okay. Um, so basically, I kind of have two piggy doors, and I have two big rooms, and they can come, and they have a gate, and... They can be inside or outside, wherever they want to go. I leave it up to them. So I'm assuming that crating a pig would be a really bad idea. I have some friends who crate train their pigs. Yeah? Um, it's the nicest thing about teaching a pig to crate train is if you have to take them to the vet. Mm. And, you know, you think about the fact that the pig is now 150 pounds. How are you going to get it in your car? Yeah. Um, do you have a hydraulic table to lift the pig in the crate? Um, you know, how are you going to get it in the car if you don't have it in a crate? Yeah. So I, I have some friends who have crate trained. Um, I've just never done it because I really didn't want the great big huge, you know, the 700 crate that's 40 inches long and, you know, comes up to my waist. I wow. really didn't want that in my living room yeah. or family room. I don't really blame you. So you bring up a really great point about going to the vet. So if you have a pig as a pet, what kind of maintenance and upkeep do these guys need annually? They have got to have their hooves cared for and uh, their tests trimmed, especially if they're males. 
Um, neutered males are called barrows, mm-hmm. and barrows tend to grow tusks. Uh, usually they need a test trim once or twice a year. Huh. Um, some people don't mind having long tusks, but they're very sharp, and, you know, accidental injury can occur quite often. So okay. I recommend keeping their, their tusks trimmed, um, but it's mandatory on the hooves. That is absolutely a must. Okay. Uh, I just saw, again, someone on Facebook recently posted that I shared on the CPPA website. Those hooves have got to be, I don't know, six, eight inches long. Oh, my God, I saw those. It would, they were like like high heels for pigs, the poor thing. Yeah, can you imagine trying to walk on that? I mean, I can't even imagine how that pig moved. So that's inhumane. That's animal cruelty. Um, the pigs have been rescued, and they're Good. doing great, I understand. Good. But, um, yeah, vet care is a huge issue, and, and for us, you know, I don't live very far from the University of Davis. Oh, nice. Um, well, it is nice, but again, I got to move my 300 pound pig up to Davis if I want to get his hooves or tusks done. So mm. I've learned to do my own hooves and tusks. Oh, and wow. It, you, you know, take, you've got to take control of that kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to blood work or spays or neuters, um, vaccines, uh, you know, you've got to have a vet that will do that. Mm-hmm. And my recommendation is before you get a pig, You find a vet that will come to you. Mobile vets are the most important, um, unless you get the pig, you know, well-trained to go in the crate or go in the car, uh, and then you can take the pig to a vet. But finding that vet is really hard. It's been years we have not had one, and we finally, um, we don't have a mobile vet, but we finally have a vet that we can go to, as well as the University of Davis, Mm. and we now have a local hoof trimmer that will come out and do hooves and tests. That's all she does. So, but some people don't, most people don't have that. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to know, you've got to get the proper food, properly pig chow, and you've got to have a vet or somebody or learn to trim the hooves yourself. And how often do the hooves need trimming? Depends on what kind of surface they're on and how the pig walks. If good the pig answer. is up on its tiptoes and it's on, got a good hard packed surface or concrete that mm-hmm. it can walk on, it might keep its toes trimmed well itself. Um, I had one pig that he just walked almost on his ankles from day one, Mm. um, I had to trim his hooves on a regular basis. So probably for him, I would do a little bit every couple of months. Mm -hmm. You know, some pigs can go longer. It really just depends on the pig. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then I want you to tell us about the California Pot-Bellied Pig Association, um, why it was started and what you guys do. Okay. Well, uh, California Pot-Bellied Pig Association started in about 1988-89 as a breeder's club. Mm. Uh, I don't know, 20, 30 people got together. They started breeding pot-bellied pigs. In 1990, my husband and I purchased our first pig. And after that, we were the first pet owners. We joined the club, and we were the first pet owners for about a year, maybe even two years. And then more people started joining as pet owners, and the breeders started leaving. Mm. And then slowly, we started getting in rescues. And I need to place my pig. I need to find a home for my pig. So we became a nonprofit officially in 1995. Uh, at that time, we were doing a lot of fostering and adopting, spaying and neutering. Um, probably placed well over a thousand pigs in homes. Wow! And now we're more of an education referral organization. We work directly with shelters, trying to help them spay and neuter, uh, vet care when necessary, with the shelters and placing the pigs in new homes. Um, our primary function now, really, we do, you know, information and education, mm-hmm. ideally things like this to try and educate the public. Don't get a pig unless you're ready. Don't get a pig unless you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Don't believe everything you hear. Um, and, you know, just help educate the people and then try and refer. The same shelter that my big boy came from, they have a 10-year-old pig now whose people were got rid of him for, or, you know, I think they relocated or something. And mm. so we really want to find him a home at the Santa Cruz shelter. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's just... Um, 
education. And, you know, we've been around a long, long, long time. Yeah, you have. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I called you guys, because when I saw your website, I loved it because it really, you guys are about the realities of the pigs. It's not like, look, there's a piggy with a little pink bow and he's so cute. You can have this too. You know, you guys are like, no, you don't understand. Like these things are serious and they get really big and they can be aggressive. And I think it's really, really important to know that because I mean, yeah, I mean, piglets are so cute. They're ridiculous, you know, and then thinking that you're going to have this thing that's going to, you know, fit in your purse and you're going to go to lunch with your little piggy. And then all of a sudden it's 120, 150 pounds. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, what happened? You know? So I love that you guys are honest about it. You tell the truth. Thank you. And still 130 pound pig is still cute. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. But, you know, it's not going to fit in your purse too easily. You're not going to smuggle them into a restaurant for lunch or anything like that. (laughs) No, they'd like that. I could see Mason going into a restaurant. Oh, that would be a total hell no. But yes, I love that. <laughs> and the other thing I want to make clear is that the California Potbellies Pig Association is not a rescue group. So you can't show up there with your pig that you don't want anymore and just dump it because that is not the way to do this, okay? If you have a pig and you've got issues or something like that, call them, talk to them, and get some more information. This is not a place to, you know, this is not the number to call if you're like, I don't want my pig anymore. Correct. We are not a sanctuary. We do not have a facility. Um, we get people all the time who want to either, you know, can you take my pig? No, we're strictly just a group of, of volunteers. We are all non-paid. We spend a lot of hours educating the public. Um, we table, we, you know, go out into events and, and try and tell people about the, mm-hmm. the pigs and explain, you know, what it's like having them. But no, we are not a facility that takes in pigs, uh, we are not a sanctuary. Thank you for saying that. Oh, no problem. And then, you know, I wanted to ask you, how, what's like the lifespan of a potbelly pig? Well, um, I had, in 2012, sadly, I lost three pigs in seven months. Oh. Um, it was a hard seven months. I'm so but, sorry. Um, one had been with me for 18 years. Wow. And when I got him, he was probably about two, and he had spina bifida at birth. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so he was probably over 20 uh, the second one I lost was with me for 16 years, and he was already full-grown, which meant he had to be at least five when I got him. Uh-huh. Um, so, again, he was probably just over 20. Um, and the third one we lost, he was only about 16, and he had cancer. So, um, But I would say, you know, the average lifespan of a healthy, well-kept pig, not overweight, um, one that you care for the hooves, one that you, you know, watch their diet, on an average, probably 15 to 20 years. So it's wow. not a short-term commitment. I had no idea. I thought 12 was old. Wow. <laughs> I've had three that were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, my five and a half that I lost, that was kind of an uh, odd situation. That mm-hmm. was during a vet trim. We, his tusk broke off, broke off, and he aspirated part of his tusk into his lungs. Oh, so, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was kind of a freak accident. But because of him, we learned a lot about aggression. We mm-hmm. learned a lot about a lot of things and, and basically did everything wrong with him. Mm. And so it was, you know, five and a half years of being able to share his experience with the world and hopefully help educate other people. And, you know, if I had known what I was getting into with him for five and a half years, I might not have ever gotten a pig. Yeah. Yeah. Now I can't imagine my life without one. <laughs> I had the same thing. I had a Jack Russell that I got, and I did everything wrong nutritionally. And, I mean, the dog was Rasputin. He lived to be 19, even though he was incredibly ill in so many different areas. And 
he got me into basically really got me into animal nutrition because I'd realized, I mean, I was feeding really subpar foods that were at the time, you know, quote unquote, the best and things like this. And so poor Turbo had to suffer. But because of him, his legacy has enabled me to, you know, teach other people of what the right things are to do and, you know, what what the mistakes are and also to understand when people do make the mistakes. And, you know, because they were where I was a long time ago. Let's just put it that way. Exactly. Uh, you know, so it's good. To, I think it's really important to have. I don't think it's important to get a pet and do everything wrong, but I think it's really important that if this happens, that you really take the information that you've learned and do something with it for respect for the animal and for yourself, you know, because animals are tough. They really can be. Absolutely. Well, well said. That's exactly, you know, T.S.'s legacy. T.S. Piglet was his name, and that is his legacy, and, and I'm glad I'm able to share what I've learned because of him. Me too. And so, Marcy, my last question for you is, what do you think people need to know if they're thinking about getting a pup-bellied pig? Research, research, research. Mm-hmm. Um, don't believe everything that you hear about pigs, um, about, you know, from the breeders, sorry. That's okay. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, understand that pot-bellied pigs are um, not an easy, cute little, like you say, pocket pet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to grow up. They're going to eat your yard. You know, look at the worst case scenario. Okay. Um, they're going to find the seam in your carpet. They're going to break the cabinet door with the baby lock on it to get into it. <laughs> they're going to uh, get into the refrigerator and eat the entire uh, macaroni salad and open a couple of beers and leave the refrigerator door open all day and lay in front of it. <laughs> uh, you know, they're going to be destructive. Just research and look at the worst case scenario and then decide, well, do I have enough humor in my life that I really want to try this? <laughs> then go for it. And, and they do. Humor is the most important thing to have with a pig. I'll bet. I'll bet. Marcy, thank you so much for talking to us. I've had a great time, and I loved all the information that we got out there. Um, could you give us the link to your website in case people need to find you or have questions for you? Absolutely. Uh, the website is C P P. A, the number four, the word pigs, P-I-G-S, dot org. And that stands for the California Potbelly Pig Association, the number sign, the word pigs, dot org. Beautiful. And also on Facebook, so you can like them there and get the numbers up on there. Um, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you, Heritage Radio Network. Animal Instinct is on Facebook. You can check out our page, and if you like it, like it, because then we got a lot more information than just the show. I'm the Food Healer. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next week. Take care. The theme song for Animal Instincts is Never Coming Home by the Ranch Hands. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.